Good morning. We are grateful as always that you are here, especially on a day like today when we take time to honor our fathers and to take just a moment to uh, think about our families and how much they mean to us. We are so thankful that you are here uh, as we worship together as well. Of course, that should be first and foremost on our minds. Uh, but as we've mentioned uh, a while back, we uh, want to take time, even on days like today, to give honor to whom honor is due, to give thanks to our fathers and to think and encourage ourselves about that. I do want to make mention of one additional announcement I didn't get to Gary, but uh, we mentioned Wednesday night that it's the beginning of camp season for many folks. Lila had been gone last week. The Sorellos are gone this week, and there will be kind of successive weeks where folks are in and out, a lot of our young people and some of our adults. Uh, most of you know that Hannah and I, along with uh, Chad and Reagan Dollahite, have taken over this year what was McCroy Bible Camp, and now uh, we are calling East Tennessee Bible Camp. We are very grateful that, that many of our kids will be able to attend this year from here at the Saudi congregation. And having such a large contingent, we would like to ask uh, you all to help maybe provide some of the snacks and things that we have each day. And there's a sign-up sheet uh, on the table in the foyer uh, for you to provide maybe a 12-pack of, of drinks, of Cokes, uh, or maybe a, a, a package of plates or of solo cups or something like that, some of the goods that we will need throughout the week. Of course, the kids uh, have a fee to attend, and we use that for the place and for the food and things like that, but it's been uh, kind of common in the past. There's about four congregations that we take uh, this list and spread among the congregations and ask folks just to donate. So if you would be willing to sign up, we would appreciate that. You can see that list. If you have any questions, uh, you can see Hannah or myself. We look forward to uh, our camp that will be coming up, but we also I want to remember all of our young people that will be attending camp uh, here very soon over the course of the summer. As I mentioned, we talk a lot about uh, the calendar and whether or not that dictates the sermons that are preached, and very often we say it doesn't. Uh, you know, we may not talk about normal things that, that other people talk about on specific days or holidays when they maybe connect something to the Bible. And so that can be a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing because, as we mentioned on Mother's Day, if we're not careful, sometimes we just leave those things out altogether. You know, one of the things we often emphasize here is we were never told in Scripture to celebrate the birth of Jesus. So maybe at Christmas time, we don't necessarily, as a congregation, go in and, and do that and have any services or things like that. Uh, and so if we're not careful, though, we sometimes will never talk about the birth of Jesus, which is certainly not good. The same thing is true with mothers or fathers. We say, well, you know what, I know it's Father's Day, but we're going to talk about something else. That, that's okay. But then sometimes we may make it a while and we never talk about mothers or fathers. The other problem that comes up sometimes on Father's Day is kind of the adage that we talk about with preachers is that on Mother's Day, we give honor to our mothers, and we're so thankful to them and for their work. In fact, we began the lesson almost a month ago by saying mothers are indispensable, and I, I believe that with all my heart that we cannot make it without our mothers. But while we honor mothers on Mother's Day, what we usually do is exhort or maybe even we might throw in the Bible word rebuke fathers on Father's Day, right? We tell them that they need to be better and they need to, to do better at things. And we, we try to exhort them. And the truth is we need both. And so we tried a month ago on Mother's Day to, to honor our mothers, but also to try to encourage them and exhort them to be, to be better. Not that they're bad, but to maybe strive to not live up to just what the world says, but to live up to what God has said, how mothers should act and behave. So, of course, today we're going to take a look in connection with that last lesson about fathers. And we want to honor our fathers as well as encourage and exhort them to be better. As Gary mentioned in his comments, it's tough sometimes when we look around the world the way fathers are treated, but it's also tough sometimes the way fathers often act. 
when they fail in many areas. And so this morning we want to examine, as we did a month ago, except for this time, we need Christian fathers who care. And if you have a bulletin or an outline in front of you, you may see that we carry that out farther to say we need Christian fathers who care enough to do certain things. We're going to talk about several of those things this morning. If you know me, you know that I'm very honest and upfront uh, when I know that I'm not an expert on something or certainly when I struggle at something. And this is going to be a bit of a tough one for me because it's something that is certainly talking to myself that I know that as I put this lesson together and thought about these things, I can sit here and list for you the ways that I fail, probably daily, certainly weekly and monthly in some of these things. So I hope that men, especially as we think about fathers and all of you, with every lesson that you take the challenges that I try to present from God's word and not always think about the messenger because I do understand the work that I need to keep doing as well. We need Christian fathers who care. And we need Christian fathers, first of all, this morning, who care enough to take their responsibilities seriously. Now, I also need to confess that I did not check faith's blanks in the outline this week, all right? So we have a lot of long words if you have an outline in front of you. And if you get off, it's probably my fault and not faith's. But I was thinking about that when I sent her my outline to put into the bulletin uh, with a lot of long words there and many blanks. But hopefully it all fits into the spots there. We need Christian fathers who care enough to take their responsibilities seriously. Here's the thing, gentlemen and fathers. We can be sure that God takes it seriously. God takes it seriously, and we should as well. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, Paul would write, Fathers, do you see mothers written there? You don't. Does that mean he doesn't care about mothers or doesn't expect them to do right? I think he does care about mothers and expect them to do right. But he says, Fathers, Fathers, Bring your children up in the training and admonition or the nurture and admonition of the Lord. In the the parallel epistle, Colossians, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 21, he says something along the same lines. Fathers, do not provoke your children. Be sure God takes it seriously, and we should as well. Christian fathers who fail to put forth their very best effort fail their children. They do. But not only do they fail their children when we fail to put forth our best effort, but they also fail their families. And not just the immediate family in the home, but the extended family sometimes. And here's the thing. When they do that, they also fail their congregations. Because it's an influence, right? It's not just an influence on the group as a whole because we make mention how we appreciate the other families here, the other mothers and fathers, and how we can all have an influence upon these young people who sit up here. But what about the community as well? When they say, oh, you attend the Saudi congregation, right? Well, doesn't so-and-so go there? And I remember recently observing them behave in this kind of way that would not be acceptable. You see, when we fail to take our responsibilities seriously, It affects everyone. Now, when we think about this, there's no doubt that there comes a time when children make their own decisions. We can do our best to take our responsibilities seriously, but there comes a time when children have to decide. But but how many parents look back, honestly look back and would say that maybe part of the issue or maybe even a large part of the issue is that they didn't take their role seriously enough. They look at children who have wandered away from the faith. And again, this is not 100% of every situation. But sometimes a father might say, I didn't take my responsibility seriously. And now I realize that. 
Imagine, if you will, this morning, if fathers took fatherhood as seriously as they do their jobs. Right? Working hard is a great thing. Working hard sets a great example, as we're going to talk about in just a few moments. But what if some fathers who put forth every effort at their job took fatherhood as seriously as that? Or a financial investments, paying attention, watching the stock market or whatever it might be, seeing how much money is coming in and out and really paying attention to those things. What if they watched their children that way? Or, of course, the one we often want to make mention of is our sports or even our fandom, right? Some people spend all their time and their money buying tickets and clothes to their favorite college football team and making plans to, to be at every game they can and watching and all of that. And all the while, they're ignoring their children. What really matters in this life? You think about whether it be tragedies such as 9-11 that was a tragedy from a human perspective, but also really affected our economy, right, and our stock market and things. What about like 2008, right, when the bubble burst on the housing market and, and things really tanked? A father might sit down and go, well, you know, all that money I thought I had, it's all gone now with just a change in the stock market. We need to realize what really matters and what will be there at the end. The money may be gone. The college team that we love and we support, which is not sinful just in and of itself to be a fan, but they don't know us. They don't care about us. They're, they're not going to be around in a sense. It's our family that will be right there. We need Christian fathers who care enough to take their responsibilities seriously. Secondly, we need Christian fathers who care enough to spend time with their children. Spend time with their children. Many children live under the same roof as their father. They have the same physical address. If they go to the doctor or they ask them at school, they have the same address as their father. But they rarely get any of his time. You may have heard the illustration used before, and I'll, I'll try to paraphrase a little shorter, but, but of the, the boy who the father comes home and the, the boy starts pestering his dad, asking him how much he makes an hour. You know, Dad, how much is it you make an hour? And the, the dad gets flustered and says, I, why does that matter? You should not care how much I make an hour, and it doesn't, doesn't really matter. And the son keeps asking and keeps asking, and finally he says, we'll just toss out a number. He says, I make $20 an hour. I make $20 an hour. And the son is happy, and he leaves, and they go through the evening. And when he goes to tuck his son, and so the, the son asks the father for then $10. And so he gives him the $10, and later at bedtime, as he goes in to tuck his son in for bed at night, the son gets up from his bed and goes to his dresser and gets $10 more and brings it. And he says, now, Dad, may I have an hour of your time? I've got $20. If that's how much your time is worth, I, can I buy an hour to spend time with you? Dads need to do more than simply supply funds. We need to communicate with our children. We need to show them love. We need to show them love. Do you know how children spell love? Someone once said that children spell love, T-I-M-E, with time. We can buy them lots of things. If you've ever studied the five love languages, it deals with our, not only our marriages, but there's also the five love languages of children, and we learn about how we interact with our children. And yes, children love gifts. They do, right? They want things. They like to accumulate and have toys, and we buy them something, and they're happy. But how long does that last? And then how much longer is it before we find that toy maybe discarded? And they're still looking for our T-I-M-E, our time. Too many fathers realize their shortcomings in this area way too late. We know that soon our children will be grown and gone. And some of you have already reached that stage, and some of us are 
very nervously waiting for that stage to come. Some of you think about that happening in the, happening in the future. But dads, it may be that we need to let something go in order to spend more time with our children. Maybe we need to let go of a hobby that would take our time away from our children. Maybe we need to let go of a few hours at work or a few dollars in our paycheck because those things are temporary. We need Christian fathers who care enough to spend time with their children. Number three, we need Christian fathers who care enough to take a personal interest in their children. You're obviously going to see how many of these overlap, but let's notice this one here. Christian fathers who care enough to take a personal interest in their children. You know, we mentioned this last month when we talked about mothers and Mother's Day. We said that sometimes it's easy for mothers, and I know that not every mother is cut out for homeschool or homeschooling their children. I know not every mother is cut out maybe for staying at home, or sometimes mothers need to work for some reason to make some more money, to have some income for their family. But we said that the, the sad side of that is that often mothers outsource raising their children. They outsource it to the government and the school system, or they outsource it to daycare, or they outsource it to babysitters, and they let them. They outsource it to Bible class teachers, and they're never involved. The same thing is true of fathers. He should not simply turn their upbringing over to others, whether it be daycare, whether it be Bible class teachers or school. He is personally involved, and can I say, fathers, that includes mom. We do not simply need to turn the upbringing of our children over to their mother only and say, well, I make the money and I've got things I need to take care of and I'm hands off of everything else. Whether your children are homeschooled or whether you stay, have stayed home as a mother or your wife has stayed home or whatever, we should not turn the upbringing simply, their upbringing simply over to everyone else. You know, mom is certainly and should be involved. Grandmothers, aunts, uncles, or others may help, but they cannot take the place of the father. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 11, Paul would say, as you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children. He looks out for them. He cares for them. He comforts and charges them. God looks out for his children and so should we. Children need fathers, their dad, to play a major role in their lives. I just do. No one can take that place. No grandfather. No family member. And can I suggest to you this morning that I believe with everything within me as well that one of the greatest needs that children need is to have fun. And as fathers, we should do our best to have fun with them. Do you remember in Proverbs chapter 17? Proverbs 17 and verse 22, the Bible says, A joyful heart is good medicine. Laughter is the best medicine, we sometimes say, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Now, yes, there needs to be a balance in regards to this. A father cannot simply be all fun, right, and laughter, and he can't be the one that gets to have all the good time and never any discipline. We'll get there in a moment. But he shouldn't also be the one who simply always rules with an iron fist and never stops to have a laugh, to maybe make fun of himself a little bit, to have a little laughter at his own expense. I had a book one time that was recommended to me, and it was called, In This House We Will Giggle. And I had made it through the whole thing, but it was the idea, of course, that it's our job, 
And it should be our job as Christians to realize that we have fun. That this life was not meant to be something boring and mundane and difficult, but that we can have fun together and enjoy laughter and some good times. That involves simply time. Spending time together and fathers who take a personal interest in their children. Number next, we need Christian fathers who care enough to teach their children responsibility and self-discipline. Responsibility and self-discipline. In Proverbs chapter 1 and verse number 7, the Proverbs writer says, Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. But it is equally true that foolish fathers fail to teach wisdom and instruction to their children. When we think about this, we must realize that we have a responsibility, that we have a role to teach our children to pick up after themselves, to take care of things around the house, to have self-discipline. You know, some people say, well, I'm not a morning person or I'm a night owl or whatever. That's fine. But we have to teach them self-discipline maybe to, to get up, to go to school if they go to school, to get to work if they work, whatever it might be. Self-discipline to take care of things around them so that they're not just, as we might say, filthy or lazy or just leave everything dirty. We have a job to do that. And you say, well, that's not spiritual. I think it is. Wisdom and instruction. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Here's the thing, fathers and parents. Children will not be responsible or disciplined by accident. It just doesn't happen. Now, many of you that have had multiple kids, maybe you have one that's maybe a little dirtier than the others, likes to leave a mess, is a little less disciplined. And maybe you have one that kind of took care of themselves on their own. Right? Maybe they just kind of self-govern. They made sure and always followed the rules. We see those differences in personalities sometimes. But for the most part, it's much easier to throw the clothes in the floor right, than in the dirty clothes basket. It's much easier to leave all the toys out because I'm going to play with them again tomorrow right? rather than have to pick them up. And all of these things that seem trivial... And I've seen some of you even the last moment kind of smiling as you think about those things maybe happening in your own home. But when we think about it, it may seem trivial, but it begins to teach our children the way that the world works. That they don't get to a job one day and get into an office and act the same way. They need guidance and dad needs to lead the way. Yes, they need to learn hard work. Yes, they need to learn discipline. That comes from a father who teaches those things. We need Christian fathers who care enough to teach their children responsibility and self-discipline. Number five, we need Christian fathers who care enough to simply discipline their children. Not self-discipline, but discipline their children. The thing is, God expects discipline in the home. We can argue about whether or not it's good to spank your children. Some folks may say you shouldn't spank your children. Some people say you should spank them all the time because that's what they need. We could argue all day about that. But one thing we cannot argue about is that God does expect there to be discipline of some sort. There may need to be corrective discipline, the spanking of, of that sort. There may need to be corrective. They've done wrong, and now they, have to need, they need to be punished. But there can also be instructive discipline. That maybe they need to be taught what to do. But it is discipline. The Bible talks about this, of course, so much. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 9, the Hebrew writer would say, Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us. He recognizes that this is an earthly thing that happens. We have had human fathers who corrected us. 
and we paid them respect. See, the world turns that around, right? That if we try to discipline our children, they won't respect us. That's not the way to act. But he says here, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? Four quick passages from Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 24. He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. I know that you probably understand because you've heard this passage before that it's not speaking, of course, of simply just a rod, right? Many of you may have not been spanked by a rod before, but by a switch or by a wooden spoon or by a shoe or whatever your mother could find fast enough to throw at you or hit you, try to hit you with, right? But we understand Proverbs 19 and verse 18, chasten your son while there is hope. While there is hope, because what happens after he gets away with it once or twice or more and more? You lose hope. It's much harder to try to rein their discipline, their behavior in. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. I know that I'm going to get in trouble when I get home later today for my children for pointing out these verses, right? Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. It just is the way they are. We are in charge of teaching them. And yes, sometimes that rod, maybe that spanking, that discipline, nonetheless will drive that foolishness away and we will teach them about the ways of God and the ways of the world. Proverbs 29, verse 15. The rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Bring shame to his mother, a child left to himself. I thought about it late last night, and I decided it wouldn't be time to try to include it in here at all. But how many children are left to themselves these days? And we talk about including in sermons sometimes parents and helicopter parents or lawnmower parents and all these different parenting styles. Sometimes it simply involves the fact that children are left for themselves. And when they do that, they will bring shame to their mother. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 17. Correct your son and he will give you rest. Yes, he will give delight to your soul. When we think about these kinds of ways of discipline, the question is, if we do not teach our children about discipline now, how will they respect and treat God later in their life? Why will they have any respect for authority if they do not have discipline in the home. Discipline creates respect for authority and rules. Discipline shows that our actions have consequences. They just do. When I lie about something, it has a consequence. When I steal something, it has a consequence. When I disobey, there's a consequence. And when a child gets, whether it be in school or to a job or whatever it may be, and they get into the real world, as we say, and they look around them, and the boss tries to discipline them, and they scratch their head, and they say, well, why is that? Maybe it's because they were never disciplined at home, and they missed that there in the home, that lesson. You see, when we talk about discipline, dad is not to be a tyrant, but he should be firm and consistent. You may recall in 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 13 that, that as God is talking to Samuel there, he makes the point that Eli will have the priesthood taken from his home. Why? Because he failed to restrain his sons. That's why. See, dad shouldn't be a tyrant, someone who yells all the time or is always angry and always the one who is taking on that role, but he must be firm. He must be consistent. 
I hate to say it in some ways because it kind of sounds like not the way of the world and it's hard to hear. But fathers, we need to be willing to be their fathers first and their friends second. Now, I said I hate to say that, but I really don't in some ways because that's simply the way it has to be. If we are equals, these children who have foolishness in their heart, who need to be corrected and disciplined, it's not going to work. We need to be their father first and we can be friends later. Number six, we need Christian fathers who care enough spiritually to teach their children the Bible. To teach their children the Bible. When we think about fathers and we think about our role, this may be first and foremost. If you can teach them to change the oil, that's great. If you can teach them to work on the air conditioning, that's fine. If you can teach them how to do things around the house and be handy, it's okay. But first and foremost, we need to teach our children the Bible. And once again, as we've already touched on, God gives this responsibility specifically to fathers. As we've already mentioned, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 4. Who is it addressed to? It's addressed to fathers. Fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Moms, mothers can always play a role, but this is addressed to fathers. And God has always... God has always wanted his people to teach their children his will. You know, we sometimes talk about the dispensations of time. We live in the Christian age. We go backwards and we talk about the Mosaical age when they lived under the law of Moses. You remember what becomes before that? We often call it the patriarchal age because God spoke to his people by the fathers. We have a responsibility to teach our children in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, you recall it well. Teach these words diligently to your children. Talk of them when you sit, when you walk, when you lie down, when you rise up. What are we saying? All the time. All the time. Teach your children these things. But there's also a very interesting passage in Genesis chapter 18 and verse 19. Genesis 18 and verse 19, where God is speaking to Abraham. And to kind of paraphrase here to see, what does God say about Abraham? He says, I know him. For I know him that he, may, that he would command his children and his household that they may keep the way of the Lord. God says, I know Abraham and I know he will teach his children to follow my commands. Fathers, can that be said about us? And once again, a little bit broadly, more broadly, parents, can that be said about us? Congregational Bible classes are great. I appreciate our men who pray for our Bible class teachers. We've already made mention this morning of Bible camps. Bible camps are great. Lads to Leaders does a lot of good. Vacation Bible School, wonderful. But all of these opportunities may be great. They should not take the place of a father teaching his children the will of God. Fathers are ultimately responsible for this. And if our children don't know the Bible, that's on us. Sometimes people leave a congregation, they go somewhere else, and they say, well, you know, they just weren't teaching my children. And, and I need them to teach my children. Yes, we want a good Bible class program, but that is not the one on whom the responsibility falls. Finally, this morning, we need Christian fathers who care enough to set the right example. To set the right example. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 9, Philippians 4, 9, Paul says, The things which you learned and you received and you heard and you saw in me, these do. 
Paul's not saying he's perfect. He's not saying I've got it all figured out, so be just like me. He's simply saying, and, and he's not saying, well, don't do as I, I do, do as I say. That's some, sometimes the way we as parents treat our children. I know I'm telling you one thing. You ever met a parent who, who jumps all over their children when they use a four-letter word or a word that we shouldn't say sometimes? You ever know someone jumps all over their children or maybe is mortified, right, and totally embarrassed when the child does it in public, gets all over them, only for to realize that the children said, well, I heard, heard it from you. I heard you say it the other day. Paul says, that's not how it is with me. I'm not saying do as I say, but don't do as I do. He says, you can do what I say and what I do. He says that then again in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 in verse number 1 because he takes it further and says, imitate me as I also imitate Christ. There are no perfect fathers or mothers or children. But fathers, may we strive to say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Someone is always watching, right? That, that idea of a child saying something embarrassing in front of a, a crowd or a group, and we think, well, they didn't hear that. I, I didn't think they were listening. I didn't think they were around. Someone is always watching, especially with fathers. Our children are watching us. Fathers, may we show them how to treat women with respect and holiness. May we show them how to live as a Christian. May we show them so many things. May they see those things as evident when they watch us. A father's example influences the child's choices for good or for bad. When we think about our lives and the Christian influences, there may be no one that influences us more than our spouse. But a close second would be our mothers and our fathers. And we must take this seriously. We must take our role as first and foremost. I know what it is when we get caught up in sports and fandom. I know what it is when we get caught up in this life and our work, when we get caught up in having a little time of recreation. But we need Christian fathers who care and who care enough to do the things that we've talked about this morning. This, of course, is one of those situations in which the lesson doesn't necessarily flow directly into the invitation because as we sing a song of encouragement in just a moment, we'll be encouraging everyone, not just our fathers, but everyone who is here this morning and maybe needs to make a change in their life. But as we think about our fathers and we think about our roles, as we think about our mothers and their roles, as we think about children and young people and their roles, the possibility exists that as we are gathered here this morning that there is someone who has never named the name of Christ and been obedient to God's simple plan of salvation We'll be singing in just a moment to encourage you that through the words of the song that's been selected, you might say, can say that you know Jesus. That you know him because you've been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins where you come in contact with his blood. As has already been said, we love our brother Robert and we appreciate his emotion and his thought and many of our men, the thought that they put into the thoughts around the Lord's table. I think that Robert along with many of us, feel such emotion because we feel the debt that we owe when we realize what Christ has done. When it comes to God's simple plan of salvation, you can be obedient to it this morning, even in just a few moments. And if not, you might want to study more. And we encourage you to take advantage of the opportunities we have to study with you so that you might know more about that and what God has said about his will for our lives and becoming a child of God. Brother or sister, maybe you're here this morning, you've done that, but you've wandered away. 
It might be your fatherhood. It might be something to miss with your family. It might not. It may be something else that's going on in your life. You sin that separated you from God. We sing to encourage you that you might make a change. That you might want to come forward to the front where one of our elders will be here to pray with you and for you. Because when we talk about fathers and mothers and we talk about our children, we're talking about family. This is a family here. We have a heavenly father who has loved us and done all he can in sending his son. We have brothers and sisters that would love to pray with you and for you. Even now as we stand together and as we sing.